Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this, guys and girls? Wait, that's bad. We're starting over. <laughs> you, if you think that's getting cut, you're out of your mind. You might as well just roll with the intro and say hello. <laughs> you got to give me a clean shot here. What's better than this, guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this water cooler Wednesday edition of the show. Kyle, welcome. We have a guest. I'm excited. Guest? This ain't no guest. The Draft Network's first ever intern, Cassandra. Cassandra. Hello. It's Cassandra. Cassandra. You, you yeah. let me say your name wrong for like two full weeks, by the way. Yeah, you know, growing up, everyone would mess up my name, so I just go in and out, whatever you want. So it's Cassandra. Yeah, Cassandra. Cassandra is the Draft Network's intern for the course of the summer. We are very excited to have her. We teased that she was with us yesterday, but we wanted to let her see the the madness behind the methods of recording draft dudes before we threw her into the fire. And here we are. And uh, Cassandra, just tell everybody who's listening just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll we'll talk some football around the water cooler. Let's see. I grew up in New York City. I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. So that was very fun. Um, I go to St. John's. I'm graduating in December. And I have four dogs. They're actually named Dallas, Cowboy, Tex, and Roger for Roger Staubach. So there you have it. Joe, power move, naming her dogs after. You've, you've got a dog <laughs> named after a football player, too. Yeah, just I have three dogs and only one's named after something football related. So way to one-up me here, Cassandra, right, right <laughs> off the bat. But at least my dog is named after Bruce Smith. The greatest pass rusher of all time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward. Mm-hmm. I actually look forward, Joe. Uh, one of the things that I do for the Draft Network is I put together the content calendar for the month. And Joe has been assigned the best ever interior defensive lineman to create a big board. But I did not give him defensive ends because I knew that he would put Bruce Smith at number one. And I did not want. I did not want to give him the satisfaction of doing that. I'm going to let somebody else do that. I'd like to make a trade. Uh, I will offer you the number one pick in the uh, the the Twitch draft tonight for scouting assignments for defensive ends. Really? Yeah. Cassandra, what would you do? Man, I would do it. Go for it. You do the trade. Yeah, why not? Be nice. Be nice. You must be new. That's your heart. Cassandra's about to lose the intern label telling Kyle to be nice. I love it. Oh, I love it. Man. Uh, Joe, I'll have to get back to you. All right. Well, you have like uh, nine hours to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, I know. I'm going to stew it over the whole time. Um, so, Joe, I'll let you go first. We each had a couple talking points that we wanted to talk about today around the water cooler. Mostly football related today. I think we're going to keep it relatively on the rails today. You had some ACC content you wanted to discuss? I did. Um, all right. So FanDuel just put out their uh, over-under numbers for ACC win totals in 2019. 
Okay. And let's treat this like word association. You're just instant reaction to the number that I tell you they assigned. Is this both of us? I need to know if this is both of us. As in me, you, and there's three of us here. Yeah, you're presenting the information. So I need to know if Cassandra, what are your thoughts on the ACC? Are you familiar with the ACC? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, so then I'm automatically volunteering you. So word association. Yep, so your instant reaction to the over-under win total for ACC's uh, teams. We'll start with Boston College. Are you ready? Yes. Six and a half wins. Ladies first. Mm, You see, I like Boston College. They got six and a half. Go ahead. I think that's pretty low. I think it's oh. I, I think it's the porridge thing. There's too hot, too cold, and just right. I think this one's think? just right. Really? Yes. I would you, heard say it, you heard it from Kyle Krabs. The Boston College Eagles will have six and a half wins. No, 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 no. It's just, just they're right. gonna be they're gonna be right there. They'll probably finish the regular season <laughs> with six wins, and they'll go six and seven or seven and six. All right. <laughs> Clemson, 11 and a half. I agree with that. Yes. That's that's my reaction. Yes. Yeah. Duke, six and a half. Agreed. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty good. The only one so far is uh, Boston College, and I don't agree with Um, Duke losing Daniel Jones. I'll, I'd probably take the under on six and a half. Oh, the disrespect for David Cutcliffe. All right, Florida State, seven wins. Mm, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, They have the good, like, running back, but I don't know what else they have. Yeah, so they have Cam Akers, and it's Blackman now officially, right? Francois yeah, out altogether. Out. Yeah. Uh, they've got probably more talent than seven wins, but I think they'll finish with seven or eight wins, so I think it's pretty good. Oh, there's one. Georgia Tech, first year under Jeff Collins, my hero, four wins. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Because you have to think about who they're going to play in their conference. I also agree. It's going to take them a while to get out of the uh, triple option and get into pro style, which Joe's all about. And I'm sorry yeah. to say that's going to be an ugly transition. <laughs> yeah, at least in 2019. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, Louisville, four. I agree. Them too. They're kind of in a mess. Too high. <laughs> yeah, it might be too high. <laughs> Team's horrible. <laughs> Miami, eight and a half. Mm. I'll give him eight. <laughs> I'll take the half away. So you think eight? Right yeah, at eight, 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 four, or eight and five? Yeah, around there. Uh, I think Manny's going to have that team fired up. I don't really trust the quarterback situation, though, so I see seven, eight, nine wins. That's it. North Carolina, Mac Brown, four and a half wins. Mm. I'll I'll agree with that one. Too high. Oh, really? (laughs) It's too high. (laughs) They got that really good redshirt or that really good freshman quarterback coming in, right? Yeah, Sam Howell. Okay. I don't know if he's going to start. But. Well, what did Nebraska finish last year? Oh God, yeah, bad. Whether like two two wins, one or two wins, or something. Like really that. bad program gets a really good quarterback recruit and a really exciting head coach prospect. 
I don't care. It doesn't happen overnight. That team sucks. I think four wins is too high. NC State, my wolf pack, Kyle. Seven and a half wins. Mm, I'll give them six to eight wins. I want to know how butthurt you are, Joe. (laughs) I have no rooting interest. That's not true. That's not true. I'm telling you, it's true. (laughs) That's my only reaction. Okay. All right. Pittsburgh, six wins. Mm, I'll agree with that. I will. That's the it's again the porridge situation. That's just right. Yeah. See, that, that's a team. If I, I think Pitt could surpass that this year. But do they, really? do they ever really take that next step as a program? No, like, no, they don't. But they have a good. I think their defensive talent is pretty good compared to what it's been. They've got a returning quarterback. But is he any good? No, I mean probably not. I mean, you and I watched him in Charlotte in the ACC championship game. Against Clemson in the rain. Doesn't matter. Did he look competent at all? He has looked competent in other games that I've watched. Did he look competent in that game? No. Syracuse, five wins. Five. Wow. Sorry, it's I not my turn. Go ahead. No, I disagree 100%. Five wins? Tommy DeVito's better than uh, Eric Dungy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is extremely disrespectful. Yeah, smash the over on that one, right? Yeah. Virginia, six and a half. <sighs> I'd go it. Maybe. You have to see the quarterback. Maybe seven. I'll give them seven. Yeah, I actually agree. I'd take the over because they got really good defensive talent. Yeah, yeah, and their non-conference is William and Mary, Old Dominion, and Liberty. There's three wins right there. Go yeah. 500 in the ACC, you're going to win seven games. And then a bowl game potentially. Right. All right, here – oh, I hate this one for so many reasons. Virginia Tech, eight and a half? I I kind of agree with that one. Well, it's not going to be eight and a half. It might be nine, and I could see that happening. What's their no? What's their quarterback situation this year? Ryan Willis is back. Their, their non-conference is Old Dominion, Furman, and Rhode Island, as well as Notre Dame. Oh, it's Old Dominion last year, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Honestly, I'd probably I thought they grossly underachieved last year. I'd give them seven or eight wins. So I'm I'm not too far off from Cassandra there. Seven or eight, though, that means you're taking they'd have to go nine to get the I mean, you're taking the under then. For regular right? season, and then maybe they win their bowl game. Last one's Wake Forest at seven. Mm, I'll give them six. I don't think they'll get to seven. They're seven even. Yeah. Seven on the dot. So they'd have to win eight games to take the over. Right. That seems aggressive to answer. Yeah. I'll take the under just like Cassandra. All right. There it is. The ACC's over unders. Okay. Can I get this off my chest here, real quick? Tyler Beatis, center from Wisconsin, uh, went back to school after a really good redshirt sophomore season last year, and he was really good as a redshirt freshman the year before that. So he's got two years of really good tape under his belt already came back to school in large part because he had off season surgery and the NFL draft advisory committee recommended that he go back to school to which I respond. Did you even watch Tyler Beatus to hand out a go back to school grade 
on this football player because I don't know how you watch him. Listen to me. You guys both listening? Yes. (laughs) Uh, This time last year, Bo Benchweisel was a first-round prospect at offensive guard and went undrafted. Everybody ignored the fact that he had a two-by-four up his butt and he was super stiff and he can't move and he fell off blocks. And fast forward a year and you have a player who's actually good at the position and he has an un- go-back-to-school grade from the draft advisory committee, which blows my mind. How does this happen? Explain it to me yeah. like I'm five. No, I can't. I can't do that um, because the the options are what right first round, day two, or stay in school. Right? Yeah, he's he was a top fifty player, no question last year. Yeah, so I don't I don't understand how you how you give him that day that you know the stay in school. Maybe he had that off season surgery to clean up his hip, like you mentioned, kept him out of spring. Maybe that really played into things, but his game tape is first round game tape, and I don't think that's that could be questioned at all. And here we are. I, do they give grades based off injury? I'm not sure how that factors into things. I will say this: is I watched uh, Creed Humphrey, the Oklahoma center, this morning, and I don't think he's better than Biadas. But and Humphrey's for got shirt. Well, Humphrey's got a lot of fanfare. Oh, he's a freaking stud. He was a redshirt freshman last year, his first year as a starter, and I'm expecting him to take a big step forward in 2019. And these two guys come out, I put it on Twitter this morning. You're going to have two top 20 caliber centers in 2020 draft. Well, that's not true. Cause Tyler Beattis is a day three player. It's stupid. <laughs> no, it ain't happening. Like, are we, are we watching or is it just like, uh, underclassman center. I don't feel like watching the tape. Just tell him to go back to school. It'll be fine. Well, hopefully both those guys are healthy. Of course, Biadas, who's going to be a junior this year. Hopefully, uh, you know, he kicks ass. But both what's interesting about both of those centers, literally everything else around them is going to be different this year, right? Like the, Oklahoma the entire, lost the entire offensive line, and Wisconsin lost everything but their left tackle. Dieter, right? Yeah, Dieter Edwards, Ben Schweizel, and Van – is it Van Hooten, I think, is the, the yeah, left tackle? Yeah, he's back. He, well, he's, he's done back, helping. Yeah. He's also not good, but that's fine. Kyle, I have a question for you. I've got an answer for you. Uh, you and I correspond pretty much throughout the course of every single day. Yes. And we have three methods of correspondence. We have Slack. We have Twitter direct messages. And we have regular text messages. We also have uh, Instagram messages, Joe. Those are reserved for very special things. How do you go about picking which method you're going to contact oh, me via? Because geez. it's we we can, we can sometimes have a different conversation going on in, multiple in three fronts. different spots. Yes. What is it? Is it, is that what is it about making sure that conversation is over with and you want to start something else so you go to a different channel? Like I try to figure this out and I can't. Honestly, it's just where I think I'm best most likely to get you. <laughs> because I don't want to wait. Okay, that's good to know. Well, I mean, think if I keep if I if I'm on Slack and I see the green light next to your name, 
I know you have Slack open, so I'm going to hit you yeah. on Slack. Okay. If you're not open, text is the worst case scenario for me. I feel like if it's not open, you're more likely to be at your computer than you are somewhere out and about with your phone. So I'll typically hit the DM first, and if I don't get that, then I'll shoot you a text <laughs> until I get an answer. It, it's You know what? Here's the deal. is If I'm at my desk and my computer's open, Slack or Twitter is going to be the best place because I'm right. not going to be looking at my phone. Right. So I know the last yeah. place I should hit you is your phone. Right. Yep. Glad we got that clear. Yeah. Up. I'm glad I could provide some clarity there. Uh, Cassandra. Yes. When we first spoke over the phone, we were talking about an opportunity with draft network for an internship. You revealed to me this, this grand reveal that you are a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, <laughs> and, what I asked you as part of our initial conversation was what do the Cowboys do with Dak versus Zeke and paying him and the salary cap structure? And I know Joe has very strong feelings about the salary cap structure in, in Dallas right now and that it's not a problem. Right, Joe? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, correct. Correct. Gil Brandt today just put out a tweet listing Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, and Dak Prescott. And if you're going to build around these guys in the future, what is the order of events in which you address those? I would like your perspective as a Cowboys fan on what that order of events should look like and who they should be paying what market price is going to equate to, too. So I think the most important is Ezekiel Elliott. If you had to pick between him or Dak, I would take him any day of the week. And I know some people do not agree with me. They say Dak. I think the Cowboys are putting all of their eggs in a basket with Dak. I'm not saying he's the only problem. But if you had to pick between Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott, you pick Ezekiel. And I got into an argument the other day. Someone was like, yeah, but uh, running backs are replaceable. This is our franchise quarterback. And that was just so wrong because running backs are like replaceable, but Ezekiel Elliott isn't replaceable. Like Saquon Barkley, those type of running backs aren't really replaceable. And then Dak is not a franchise quarterback. I Yeah, he's a great guy, but being great and having a great personality doesn't really win you games. So yeah, he's likable and Cowboys fans like him, but when it comes down to it, they changed their whole offense to kind of fit his. And then I think I'd pick Amari Cooper. If you had to pick Amari Cooper over Dak, I'd pick Amari Cooper because we needed a number one wide receiver. We picked up Amari after we let Des go. And do you see Amari Cooper's route running? It is beautiful. So I think he could fit with a quarterback other than Dak, too. So that's just my opinion. Joe, see, go ahead. Well, when I, when I think about this discussion, and when Gil tweeted this out earlier, my, my brain started working here. And I was thinking, okay, is the best way to attack the answering this question figuring out which ones are the most replaceable? And, and, and that's exactly what uh, Cassandra did there. And I think that's the right perspective. Now, I don't think Dak is necessarily the priority. I put Amari Cooper as number one. I think Amari Cooper has to be the number he's one the priority. Best player. You tra- well, yeah, he's the best player, and you just traded a first-round pick for him. You can't trade that first-round pick for yeah. two seasons of Amari Cooper or one-and-a-half seasons of Amari Cooper. And Zeke is at the bottom of the list, even though I have him in the elite tier of running backs, just oh. because – 
That's good to know. Just yeah, okay, all right. Listen, <laughs> just because I do think maybe not with one player you can you can get a one for one with Zeke, but I think you can build a stable of backs to give you the backfield production that you're looking for. I put Dak in the middle between That's the two. Really? You see, when Zeke was suspended last season, and then he came back, and our team was just lifted, and then we got Amari Cooper. And I don't know. I just don't see you. I don't see Dak being the franchise quarterback, the next great Cowboys quarterback at all. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. No. Like, I don't rely on Dak. Is the challenge just the economics of it? Because Dak's a fine starting quarterback. But what what gets what gets what makes this conversation difficult is the price tag that's going to be slapped on him to continue having him as your starting quarterback. So to me, it's an economics thing. I and I agree with you in that you have to address how easy will it be to find a replacement for these players as well. Yeah, and then if you look at it, I mean, the Cowboys don't really have a court like quarterbacks. They have Dak, and then second quarterback is Cooper Rush, and then Mike White. So the Cowboys really, their quarterback is Dak. Their backups aren't that reliable either. So, oh, and that's the thing is, it's a good point is that there's the, his successor. If they were to move on from Dak is not on the roster, so they need to find that player. To me, this goes back to the – I think I made this point last week. It's like give him the Jimmy Garoppolo deal. Yes. It's going to be insane money, but pay him a shitload of money in the first two years when you have plenty of cap space, does Dallas, over the next two years, and then give yourself that opportunity to get out of that deal after two seasons if you want to. It's the same thing with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is in – in Denver, he doesn't have a dollar of guaranteed money left on the th- remaining three years of his contract. Very similar to what Jimmy G has. You have to give him a bunch of money early on, but then give yourself that leverage later in the deal. That way, if you need to pull the trigger and move on, you can. Or if it's working out, you can stay there. But I don't think you can give him a Cousins deal or even, you know, like, you know, what uh, the other big name, Aaron Rodgers type deal. He can't get those types of deals. Yeah, I think the the attractive option here for Dallas is if it goes off the rails, you could part ways with Jason Garrett if you want, and you have to sign. You can't let Dak walk without having a replacement on the roster, period. Can't happen. So the only way you're going to get an idea and see that materialize is if it goes off the rails and Dallas has a bad season – and they find themselves in that situation, well, then you look at what the quarterback market looks like. Um, but I actually kind of have it hybrid of of both of you guys. Uh, Cassandra, you had Zeke one. Joe, you had Amari one. Uh, I would put Amari one, Dak two, Ezekiel three. Or is Joe, is that what you had? Uh no, I had da- I had Dak as two. So we we yeah, have so three, we're, no, we're, we're we're the same. Amari, Dak, Zeke. Right. Yep, yeah, that, that's what that's I how I would tackle it. Just because and only because I don't think you can let Dak walk without acquiring that quarterback before you make the decision to no longer have Dak on your on your team. Oh yeah, I think like you know, I'll give him a couple of seasons, a couple of years until we can find that right quarterback. But you know, 
a lot of Cowboys fans think he's going to be the next great Cowboys quarterback. He's going to be with us for years. And I really don't see that. Do you? I think that's and it's it's weird to say that after you know the, he he started a lot of games in the league at this point, but I still think we we still have more to learn about Dak Prescott and whatever I can do to 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 keep him around but not commit to him long term is where you have to balance that out and maybe that just means slapping the franchise tag on him a couple of years in a row to really figure that out if you have to. I don't think you just let him walk. I, that's that's not really an option. But you, whether it's the franchise tag or a front loaded deal. I think that's what you have to do because I still think there's more to learn about Dak Prescott. Now, here, yeah, here's what coaching, like a new coaching staff, you have to see too. Because after this season, I think if Jason Garrett does not bring the Cowboys to the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, he's out. He's I out. told you it's a hot seat, really? Joe. I told you. Really? Told you from Tier Maker Thursday. I know Chris. Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett have a great relationship, but I mean. That doesn't matter. Sports is sports. You know, look at like Tony Romo, um, Jerry Jones had a great relationship. They picked Dak over him. They cut Dez. Dez and Jerry Jones are so close. I think if Jason Garrett doesn't show up, the coaching staff is gone. So you're telling me that Jason Garrett can go 11-5, and five, win the NFC East, win a playoff game, lose in the divisional round, and get fired? Yeah, because that's what the Cowboys always do. We make it to the, the divisional round. We cannot get past the divisional round. That's I get my hopes up every year, except and then we just fall short. So I do think if they don't make it past the divisional round, past the next round, then Jason Garrett's gonna be gone. Joe, what was the Chargers record when they fired Marty Schottenheimer? <laughs> do you have it in front of you? I believe it was th- either thirteen and three or twelve and four. I think it was thirteen and three. I'm pulling it up right now. It's just we keep falling short every right. season. So uh, Fourteen and two. fourteen and two, and Marty Schottenheimer got fucking fired. Excuse yeah. my French. Fourteen and two. If you've hit the ceiling, <laughs> and it's clear you continue to not get the job done, even though it's clear you're in a winning window, I think that actually makes the seat hotter. To Cassandra, so you point. just comp- are we comparing Marty, Sh- Marty Schottenheimer to Jason? Gale? I mean, as far as win loss and, and and team window, not his caliber as a coach. Sure, sure. I don't think you're, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think that's a good. Comp- Good parallel. Now, here's what scares me about Dak. Uh, You look at Dak's rookie season, in which he completed almost 68% of his passes, has 23 touchdowns to four interceptions, an interception percentage of under 1% of his pass attempts intercepted, 7.28 net yards per attempt, really good stuff, 25 sacks. He started 16 games, started the whole year. You go to year two. All of a sudden, he throws 13 picks. His interception percentage grows by three times versus what it was the year before. His net adjusted yards per attempt is 6.01. He lost one and a quarter yards per attempt on his net. Year three, 6.08. I don't know who Dak is yet, even though, Joe, as you've made the point, he started 48 games in the NFL. He's got good touchdown production. He's a productive rusher with the football in his hands. He's regressed every single year with his quarterback rating. He went from 78.8 to 69.5 to 58.6. He's gotten sacked every single year, more and more and more, sacked 56 times last year. We've seen regression in a lot of areas. Those are the concerns for me when I look at Dak and I try and project him forward and figure out who the hell is this guy and do we commit to him long term? Yeah. 
Kyle, I have uh, have something that's been on my mind. Okay. As, as so Jonah Williams, right? Out for the year with the shoulder situation for Cincinnati. Yeah, this sucks. It does suck a lot. And, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but the Bengals have had awful luck with their first-round picks really dating back, like, across the last 10 years. They just – they're always getting hurt. But here's what I wanted, where I want to take this discussion because maybe it's just that it's late June and we're starving for NFL news and everyone wanted to react to this on Twitter yesterday. But it felt like people's perception of the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019 has been completely reversed based on Jonah Williams not being available for the season. I have a hot take, it seems like. I don't think that Jonah Williams not being available this season changes one thing about the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019. Right, because they were going to be bad either way, right? The problem wasn't left tackle. (laughs) Cordy Glenn's going to go be their left tackle this year, and they're going to be just fine at left tackle. And Cordy Glenn was going to be at guard. The problem is at right tackle, where it's probably going to be Bobby Hart. And John Jerry next to him at right guard. Right, whatever they're going to do there. But what I'm trying to say here is that injury, people are like, oh, put the Bengals on the clock for the number one overall pick. I want to know what you thought before Jonah Williams was hurt. I thought they were going to be contention for the number one overall pick. Right, That's what I'm saying. It's a shitty situation. I get that. And I love Jonah Williams. But I don't think it changes the outlook whatsoever for the Bengals in 2019. Yeah, because I, I didn't think they were going to be very good anyway. What's different? Cordy Glenn's the left tackle. Yeah, yeah, it sucks for Jonah Williams as a, as a football player and his development and all that type of stuff. That's where it really sucks. I don't think it means much for the team this year. I don't know if I disagree with you. Now, if, now if you were going to play Cordy Glenn at right tackle, which they were never going to do. Right. Now, now, now you've you, made a, effectively two spots worse because I think Jonah Williams is a better left tackle than Cordy Glenn. And now you're putting Bobby Hart back in at right tackle. So now you've made both tackle positions worse. Right. And rant. Feel better? I do. Okay, good. We're going to wrap it up right here. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Water Cooler Wednesday. Joe, Cassandra, and myself had a good time talking ball. We did a nice job keeping it uh, on the rails with football. Joe, we didn't even really talk about your Instagram messages. I'm saving yeah, that for a later to. date. Really? Yeah. Really? I thought that was kind of between you oh, and I. Oh, is it a, a, a private thing? Yeah, it's a private thing. Okay. Well, then we'll talk about Game of Thrones. Uh, you better watch fast because Cassandra and I next Wednesday are going to talk about the season fi- or the series finale. Oh, I'll be off next Wednesday. So, <laughs> so you have yourself a week to watch two seasons. No pressure. And you know what ain't going to happen. Well, I can hold Kyle Krabs with Cassandra and Joe signing off. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.